Hey, I love jumping into new series, and we're going to be getting to John 4 here in just a couple moments, but I wanted to ask a question first to see if you've ever found yourself in this scenario when you're very naturally trying to share what Jesus is doing in your life, and the people you're trying to share with accuse you of having like some sort of ulterior motives. Have you ever experienced that? Where you're just naturally trying to share the love that God has given you to them, and they're like, you're just trying to get me to church, or you're just trying to get my money, or you're just trying to convert me, or you're just, you know, and you feel that gut punch almost, because you're like, man, no, really, my motive here is love, and my hope is faith, and you're trying to share genuinely, but it just doesn't go well. I think when you're sharing your faith, those moments happen. And a lot of times it's out of our control. But sometimes, maybe it's the place or the timing, or we didn't transition from whatever we were just talking about to what we tried to talk about smoothly, and it was clunky, and it crashed and burned, and we're like, Durr, right? Well, in John 4, we can see Jesus taking a moment that had to have been uncomfortable. He crossed some barriers to share his faith, and and it was a moment that we can learn from. And we're going to look at that over the course of actually a six-week series here called Lessons from the Well. But it's a model of sharing our faith just out of observation that Jesus is going to give us. But really, we're going to focus in on the lessons from that in the coming weeks and, and look today at maybe what would keep us from sharing, the barriers that would we would put up ourselves that would keep us from naturally and purposefully sharing within the rhythms of life what Jesus is doing in our own lives. And uh, so hopefully we can gain some insights that help us not find ourselves in that accusational moment of somebody just being upset that we tried to share our faith with them or whatever. And uh, I... Uh, because I think we can live in a place of prayer and devotion where we can totally sense when it's the right moment to share. When it's the right moment to, to, to say, hey, you know what? You know what may help? It's helped me, so let me share. God never intended us to be pushers of Jesus, to be the closers of religion, like the guy in the back sales room. You know, what will it take to get you into this faith? Let's, well, let me get my manager. He'll come right out. You know, yeah, sometimes we're like, let me get you to church because my pastor will close the deal, right? It's like, that's not, not God's intent. God's intent, he sent Jesus to give us an example, to give us his love, to give us his demonstration, to take our place on the cross. But he shared faith. He shared the kingdom of God. He shared his father's heart. He was a sharer. And that sharing inspired people, and it flipped a lot of things upside down. He got out of his comfort zone. And out of the overflow of his love for people, he made the kingdom of God known to so many people. And now we get to learn from it. And I have the same desire for you. That your relationship with Jesus would just overflow naturally. And that would begin to be the share those around you need to see that Jesus is making a difference in and through your life. The big idea, I already said it just in the context of talking there, but the big idea this week is our motive is love and our hope is faith. 
I think it's good that people know that like when we're sharing what Jesus is up to in our life, our motive is love. It's not, we have no ulterior motive in, in sharing what Jesus is doing in and through us. And our hope is in the faith of Jesus. When it comes to sharing our relationship with Jesus, we're motivated by the love we have for our community or our neighbor or our relative or our friend. And when it comes to us sharing the faith we have in Jesus, we want them to have the same hope in times of trials, in times of joy, in lens of eternity. We long for people to know the same hope that we have. And, and so I think the, the struggle comes down to what is our motivation? Maybe sometimes it's not in line with, with love, and it's in line with some sort of response. Um, when you think of motivation, maybe it helps to think of it in the context of, like, what motivates you? Like, let's think of a vacation. Anybody have good summer vacations coming up? You're, like, thinking, I'm going to have, oh, look at that. That was a quick hand. I, I know that we have one. 20-year anniversary was this year. We're going to take off to uh, Nuevo Vallarta. And just enjoy the sun, turn our cell phones off, uh, leave our children at home alone for seven days and see if they can fend to the, their own. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be crazy, fun, but uh, just Dana and I getting away, like blessing the beachgoers with this <laughs> man body with lots of hair on the beach and stuff. No, anyway, uh, it'll, it'll be fun. We're excited for it. But every trip like that takes planning. Like, honestly, we still have a running debate. Where are the kids going to be, right? It's like this conversation that is never ending. Like, we want to be at our house. Or don't send us to the grandparents. And then you threaten them, I'm going to send you to that grandparents. And they're like, no, you know. Um, uh, so there's nervousness there. But some trips take less planning. Some trips take more planning. We have another trip coming up. And uh, we're going to in 2018 where we're going to be going to Hawaii for like a bucket list for Dana's mom with her whole family. So now you're talking lots of people, lots of flying. You know how expensive it is to get six people on a plane to Hawaii? Anyway, pray for us uh, that the flight costs go down. So we're, we're working on this trip and, and trying to figure it out. And for us, one of the things that we're motivated by is not spending $10,000 to get to Hawaii. So we're, we're motivated, though, to like make sacrifices so that we can set money aside and be able to have fun while we're there, too, and not just get there. And so we're, we're doing things. I say we're very loosely. I'm not doing anything. It's all Dana. But anyway, so she's like cleaning cupboards out and taking pictures of stuff and putting it in some websites somewhere online. And all of a sudden, people show up at our door with money, and I hand them whatever she tells me to hand them. You know, it could be books. It could be toys. It's random. Oh, somebody might be stopping by this morning, and just, you know, they're giving you $20. You're giving them this. I was like, wow, you got them to pay $20 for that? Way to go. And that money goes in a jar, and that's our Hawaii fund. You know, it takes planning. We're motivated to be able to save up money. And she's a little more motivated than me because she's the one doing all the work. So it is hard to answer the door. I mean, so thank you for, you know, feeling my pain in the role that I feel in that. But reality is when we have a goal, we make, we're motivated 
to reach it and we're motivated with the right motivations to make change. And I think sometimes we lack the motivation to share Jesus. It's not, in, we don't see it as our role maybe. We don't comprehend like how to do it. And so our motivation for that is one where we won't make intentional sacrifices to make Jesus known. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 is my life verse. Also the verse we founded this church on. And it says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you'd become so dear to us. Right? The motive is what? We loved you so much that we shared life and the gospel. Like that's, that's how we share Jesus. And maybe it would be easier today to answer the question, what robs you of your motivation than what motivates you? Because I think we put natural barriers in between us and even within the natural rhythms of a conversation, sharing what Jesus is up to in our world. Because Jesus often fits in conversation, but we're the ones that make it just maybe a little weird in our mind. But if we love, it won't be weird. It'll be very authentic, very genuine. Maybe it's due to the fact that people haven't become dear to us. We haven't spent the time praying for them to to really long for them to know Jesus' hope. Maybe, uh, you know, because sharing should be a delight. As it says here, we're delighted to share. It shouldn't be a burden or a task. It should be out of the overflow of our own love and hope, and it should be within the natural rhythms of life. So God shares something for us through the prophet Jeremiah, which I started thinking of in the context of our motive being hope and and, or our motive being love and, and our, our, our goal being, ultimate goal being that people would experience the hope in Jesus. And, and it's in Jeremiah, this prophet shares to these people that have been in rebellion against God and find themselves in a land of people who are far from God. They're surrounded by people in rebellion against God and really enemies of Christian people. And so it's this place called Babylon that they've been carried into exile to. And yet this is what the prophet tells them in Jeremiah 29.4. He says, this is what the Lord of the heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all captives. He is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes. He said, plant and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Whitney and Spencer, you hear yourself in that passage right there? You had children, and that's awesome. Tony and Kathy, bonus points for you in the sermon illustration today because grandchildren are here, right? It's like plant homes, lay down foundations and roots, and this is... This is how we grow the kingdom of God is, is we multiply, it says. It continues, do not dwindle away. Work for the peace and prosperity of that city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for if its welfare will determine your welfare. Or it says in another translation of the Bible, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. 
Now, what does that passage have to do with this talk? Well, I don't know about you, but this makes me think of the desires for our community, for our neighbors, for those we love. Like, we, we need to plant down relational roots with people. I know I'm not the only one that can drive through a community or see people and just go, man, I want hope for this city or I want hope for this area or I want hope for this, uh, this group of people. I hope they can find a relationship with Jesus and a life to the full that is there. Lord, help them. It's not just people. It's like buildings and businesses and schools and in the culture, in the music, in the creative veins of community. I mean, we love, what if the love of God was just flowing through the city? And I get caught up. I like geek out about this and I'll like walk around a city like Buckley or South Prairie or Wilkeson or Bonnie Lake or Sumner or Ording and you're just going, Lord, share your love here. Just show your love here. Touch the pillars of influence in this city, you know. Touch family and education and government and business, arts and entertainment, religion, media. When we start to be burdened with God's heart for a community, we start to be moved like that. It's like, wow, Lord, open my eyes that I could be moved by the community around me, by the needs around me. So how do we stir that kind of love, that kind of motivation, that kind of burden for the people around us. Well, a few thoughts for you. One, we share our faith because of our love for God and others. I mean, it's because we love God so much that we're filled with love for the community around us, right? We said it earlier this year in a series, but we love our neighbors because we're Christians, not to make them Christians, Right? We love because we're loved with no ulterior motive other than love. And sometimes we need to check ourselves on that. Because maybe we do have some sort of internal metric that we're trying to check because we feel we need to make converts or whatever. We need to let that fall to the side. Jesus was and is a lover of people and therefore the same call is on us. Jesus didn't just give us a message to share, but a life to live. He demonstrated how to live life to the full. And we get to, to follow that example. Jesus was not worried about what to say, nor does he want us to worry about what we'll say. In fact, there's many passages that say, do not worry about what you'll say when people ask about your faith. What if our focus was more on loving people than on what we were going to say? I think the words would flow right out in season. we got to place more focus on growing our love. So if you want to grow your love, my challenge is always the same. Take a walk. Go for a walk. It's this easy. If you go for a walk, let's say you walk around your neighborhood and you ask God to open your eyes, to open your ears, and open your mind and show you what breaks his heart. Then, I dare you to look at things like, look inside a vacant storefront. Walk down the street, Main Street and Buckley, and allow God to break your heart for that community. Walk 
down the street in South Prairie and look at the church sign on a condemned building and allow that to wreck you because that's what that community sees as church. Oh, just, I hate that. It's a negative, I'm motivated by the negative, as maybe you could tell. Like, it just is like sick them to me. It's like I see a broken down church building with a sign still on it. It's closed in the community, and I'm just going, that is not right in the name of Jesus. Let's redeem this place. And it just wells up motivation within me. I dare you to walk through your neighborhood and look at a four-year-old child playing outside alone at a park with no adults in sight and not like feel compassion or worry or fear that is love, right? It's just like, oh my goodness. I dare you to look at an overgrown park or a playground and not just be burdened with that region or that community. To pick up the paper, now this is bold, to actually watch the news, sorry, but not to be feeding depression of where the world's at, but to feed your burden for the local needs of the community. To listen to that negativity and go, this is opportunity for hope if we could just turn people towards the hope of Jesus. That shootings would cease in the name of Jesus. That justice would come against the corrupt. That the economy, I mean, you get a prayer list from watching the news. That the economy would be revived. That you would have enough money for the next iPhone. Oh, wait, that's not part of it. Lord, uh, you know, you just look at the, the reality of what's on TV, and it can be negative feeding, or it can be inspirational for the impact that you can make in the world around us. Thought, too, is we're commanded by Jesus to share our faith. I mean, maybe we just need to remind ourselves of that, right? Matthew 28. Jesus is sharing his last teaching. He says, uh, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. We're still just walking out as his followers the way they did here in Scripture. And he's leading us to love people. He's leading us to go and share all that he has taught because it will change people's lives. The power is in the Scripture. Sharing our faith or sharing your faith isn't optional as a follower of Jesus. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, we're actually commanded to do it. So we need to find out how to do it naturally, how to go and make disciples, how to go and share our stories of what Jesus is doing in our life, the difference he's making in our life. Go and live your life open so others can see how Jesus impacts your imperfections. The greatest command of Jesus, he just lays it on us right there before he ascends into heaven and challenges us to go to the end of the earth. And this leads us to the text of our series, a moment 
where Jesus demonstrates the passion, pursuit, the power of God, the power of sharing hope, and he shares it to someone who really shocks his followers. We'll take the time to unpack the story in all of John 4 over the course of the six weeks, but we're going to read verse 4 through 9. And it said he had to go, this is speaking of Jesus, he had to go through Samaria on the way, eventually came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field of Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat warily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? So there's history here. Jesus went to a place that normally Jews do not go, Samaria. They were split up. There's lots of history. But ultimately, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They were rivals. Like when I was driving down the freeway last night and a pickup passed me, and some reason, for some reason, they did the window tint in a Patriots logo. Yeah, painful. Can't believe somebody would do that in Seattle. But anyway, you know, it's just like enemies, rivals. They were deeper than just athletic or sports enemies. They were like cultural enemies. And so Jesus, though, says this. He had to go to Samaria. It wasn't a quick moment. It took effort. The words that jump out to me are words like eventually or wearily. So... Like, it was tiring to go to Samaria and through Samaria. But it was a surprise to the woman that he showed up. It was a surprise to his disciples that they went that way because usually people go around Samaria. But he wasn't living with avoidance to barriers. He was breaking barriers down. She asked, why are you asking me for a drink? Maybe it's time we present Jesus to people and share Jesus with people and that maybe even surprise our comfort zones. Maybe it's been a while since you've been asked, why would you be generous to our school? Something we hear at Open Life. Why would you be serving us here? Why would a church do that? Why... Would you do that for our community? Why? Well, my imperfections have been impacted by the love of God that he gave us through his son, Jesus. And because he loved me, I get to love. Our motive is love. Our hope is faith. Third thought, people are more important than our fears. And maybe a better word for fear is barrier for you and kind of the word we're playing off in this talk. What's your barrier? 
When it comes to sharing your faith, what barrier gets in the way? Because the barrier Jesus had to go through was a very strong cultural barrier. What's your barrier? Fear would have Jesus go around Samaria, but instead he went into Samaria. And as we're going to find out, he talked to someone who nobody would consider somebody of the faith would talk to, who ended up actually telling everybody in that village about Jesus. That was a spoiler alert, by the way. Um, So he, he had to subdue his fear, listen to God's nudge, and go into Samaria. And maybe your barrier is just nerves, not knowing the words to say. But Samaria represents as well a religious barrier. And sometimes we're concerned that, I don't know, maybe, maybe church people shouldn't share Jesus with this type of people. Jesus demonstrates, yeah, no, you should share with that type of people. Go to those that are farthest from me. And share my love with them. Jesus is challenging us. Don't listen to those who just say, the religious elite that say, stay pure from all of them. No, let's love people. All people. Thought four, sharing our faith will cause us to wrestle with what matters most. What matters most? And what matters most to God is people. It's all people. If you follow Jesus into personal evangelism, he'll likely bring you into conflict with evangelical culture. A quote from the book, A Neighboring Church. Our culture dictates a lot of how we should share Jesus. And and oftentimes we can find ourselves remaining silent to the majority of culture by following the way everybody else has gone. I don't know, I was one who showed up to church in my adulthood years. I was 20 when I showed up to church, and I didn't grow up knowing the rights and wrongs of sharing your faith, I guess you'd say, uh, or the patterns of sharing your faith. I would just share with people not knowing everything. I'd just share what was going on in my world and often not know the answers to any of their questions or objections or the normal things that people would say and And, you know, about church or whatever. I'd just share, like, what I was experiencing and how good it was. And one of the things that shocked me the longer I was in church is to find out all the people who had been around me over the course of maybe, like, my years from 16 to 20 that had a relationship with Jesus and never shared with me. At first, I was shocked that they were in church But then when I found out they'd been in church the whole time but never shared that they were in church, I started to feel like unworthy or like hurt. Like maybe I didn't belong. I don't know if you've ever experienced that emotion, but I was at this place of going, then to find out some of them had become pastors. And I was like, were you a Christian in high school? They're like, yeah. It's like, I had no idea, right? Why did you never say anything? That kind of gave me this gut punch to say, man, I want to not be that guy who doesn't let people know 
I don't want to hide my faith. I don't want to be the guy as well that just shares to those who follow Jesus. Because this is the pattern I saw. I started seeing Christians sharing their faith, but it was always with other Christians. You ever seen that? Like, not to one-up their church or anything, but it was like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus, and they're sharing with somebody else who's already in a church, and they're talking about how good their church is, and it's like they're kind of just inviting each other to their churches while people are hurting all around them that they, there's a barrier there to cross if they were going to share with them about church. And so you have what some would call shuffling the deck, Christians moving from church to church because their friends are sharing with each other, but it's Christian sharing with Christian, and you stay with a culture of 12% people in church and 88% not in church. When Jesus came for the 88% not in church, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to say, okay, I'm going to break down this pattern and these barriers, and I'm going to share Jesus' love with those who don't yet know the love. And so that's our challenge. When we see Jesus share with a Samaritan woman at a well, breaking down barriers, we have the challenge to ask ourselves, what's my barrier? The action point today is to think. That's This first talk is just to get us to the point of thinking, what is the barrier? Like, what barrier arises in me when I have an opportunity to share? Like, if you take that challenge to go for a walk around your neighborhood and just say, God, give me your eyes, give me your ears, give me your mind, give me your heart for the people in my, my community. When it comes opportunity to share with someone or talk to someone, what is it that gives you fear or anxiety? That's what we need to offer to God this week is our barrier. Lord, here's my barrier. I want to identify my barrier that keeps me from sharing faith. Because God can remove that. The call to action is to find it. And I'm going to pray this week that you have the opportunity, that your eyes would be open, your ears would be open, and you would sense that barrier. And next week when we come back and even dive further into John 4, that barrier will be laid down so that you can make Jesus known in a very natural way of sharing. So, God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to pursue you. I thank you for the opportunities we have to make you known, and not just to those who already know you. It's great to celebrate what you're doing in our life and with those who understand you already. But Lord, you did challenge us with a life that would seek and save those who do not yet know you. But Lord, each of us has our own reason, our own barrier, our own obstacle that we carry that prevents us from very naturally sharing you with others. And so God, in this first week of this series, Lessons from the Well, Jesus demonstrates crossing really a strong cultural barrier to love on this gal, this woman at the well. And I pray that, God, this week you'll allow us to see the barriers in our life. When we second-guess our sharing, 
that you'll allow us to identify the challenges, the barriers that we have so that we can offer them up to you, so that we can ask you to remove them from our mindset. And we could be overwhelmed with love enough to overcome those barriers. Love for others, love for our community, love for our city, love for our neighbors. God, I thank you for the life we get to live, for the the foundation we get to plant, for the investment we get to put back into community. May we always be motivated by love, but filled with the hope of faith for others. Thank you for all those who could be here today. And I pray that, God, you will send us out this week with an awareness of the difference we can make and what barriers prevent us from making that difference. Speak to us this week in Jesus' name. Amen.